Hey there, it's Michelle. I've hand-selected some of my favorite interviews to rerun for you this summer. I hope you enjoy the episodes. Let's get into the show. That trainer and that workout, um, you know, it gives you like, it gave me like really core strength. And it's interesting because mm. in those really tough early days, um, you know, feeling strong made me strong. Um, and there's so much mm. you have to sort of weather, right? And my husband sometimes would get mad at me because things didn't bother me. And it's not that they didn't bother me, but, mm. you know, you sort of get used to taking those blows and, you know, internalizing mm. and reflecting and then acting in different ways you need to. But, um, you know, being physically strong, I think, helps you be mentally strong. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. But before I do that, I just have a quick question. And that is, have you noticed or are you aware of an internal voice, an internal whisper that has been there for a while, an idea that keeps recurring that you haven't had the time or space to really pay attention to, or maybe you want to spend some time pursuing it, but you just don't know where to start? Well, the reason that I bring on the female entrepreneurs that I do is because they've had that whisper. And sometimes it's been there for a decade, and sometimes it's more recent, but they have the curiosity and the courage to pursue it. And in their case, has led to innovating and creating companies in a space that hasn't existed before. Just really interesting stories. I think that's what makes it fun to tune in and understand what the motivation and the mindset was behind their vision. But the truth is a whisper could be unrelated to business. It could be to want to start writing, to take an acting class, to dance, to do art. And the idea is that hopefully hearing their stories, it'll inspire you to listen to your internal voice and to take some action to bring you more play and joy and fulfillment in your life. So today's guest did follow an internal whisper. Her name is Deb Labuddy and she is the founder and CEO of Memo, which is a retail technology company changing the way consumers discover and purchase luxury goods and fine jewelry. So prior to doing this, she was working in the venture capital space And it's very exciting to see her now in the role of CEO and really innovating and creating a space that didn't exist other than what was in her mind and heart to do. So essentially what Memo allows you to do is try on fine jewelry and the privacy of your home so you can have a more intimate experience without all the pressure that you feel being in a store when you're looking at a beautiful piece of jewelry. And so what's fun about Deb's story, actually, for me personally, is that I met Deb 15 years ago, just one time, haven't spoken to her until this interview. But the reason I reached out to her was that I noticed on LinkedIn that she had launched a company dealing in fine jewelry. And I remember when I met her, 
that she was wearing beautiful jewelry. I was admiring her necklace and her earrings at the time. And a part of me was wondering if this had been a passion of hers and an idea that she had had for a long time. So it makes for a fun and interesting story. If you're looking for some inspiration and love hearing a woman's entrepreneurial journey, I know you're going to love today's show. So let me introduce you to Deb Labuddy. Hey, Deb, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, So I'm excited to talk to you. We met many years ago. I think it was just one time (laughs) through our previous lives uh, when we were in corporate. And um, I think it's kind of interesting that I found you on LinkedIn and was so intrigued by (laughs) what you were doing. So I'm really excited for you to take us into your story. But I'd love it if you could start Take us back a little bit. Tell us about your career and what led you to launching your company today. Sure. Um, So my early career um, was in corporate America. Uh, After I got my MBA, I worked for Ray-Ban Sunglasses, uh, which was owned by Bausch & Lomb back then, which was a public company. And I worked in finance <laughs> and uh, did did a a, prog- a rotational program there in with the Ray Ban division. Um, but then I ultimately ended up working in mergers and acquisitions for the company, which you know was um, really a, a great position. Um, very active time for the business, and you know traveled a ton, but worked you know on a lot of um, transactions, buying and selling businesses for the company. Um, so that was my early career Mm. and yeah, so a little bit of touch of luxury, right. With Ray-Ban sunglasses and, you know, ironically, even then we were looking at ways to sell sunglasses online and, and this is going back, um, really to the early 2000s. So really the forefront of the internet industry, right. Um, so yeah. And, and, you know, when I was young, I, uh, in my early career, um, you know, I was really always just interested and fascinated with new technologies. And at the time, you know, the internet was booming and there were all these different um, new companies launching. And so um, I actually looked at the jewelry category back then, hmm. believe it or not. Wow. Okay. And, yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> well, you have a lot of time when you're young and, mm-hmm. you know, I worked a lot and I just, you know, that's a lot of young people were jumping in and doing startups at the time. And so, you know, it was really something that interested me. Um, but when I was with the company, we also were looking at doing some innovative things. And we actually ended up forming a company and getting it uh, VC funded and we mm. spun it out. And so I ended up going that route instead. Wow. I know your path can take you where it will, but interesting how you're back on track with this passion for the jewelry uh, <laughs> space. So yeah. tell us about the concept. What is your company memo all about and why did you choose to leave corporate to do it now? Right. So, um, you know, so certainly jewelry was something I was personally interested in. I, you know, I looked at the category, like I said, um, almost 20 years ago. And, you know, at the time, frankly, I I looked at different business models um, for the, for the sector. And, you know, I, I felt personally that I wasn't ready either could take that leap. Um, you know, I had another opportunity, which, you know, truthfully had funding and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, 
uh, I went and I pursued that. But I'll tell you that the the concept stuck in my head for for several years to come, um, even when I was doing the other startup and thinking about, you know, how are the things that I'm learning? How are the people that I'm meeting? How could that ultimately help me build this other idea? Mm. And so, um, you know, I have to say in the last um, 10 years, it probably faded away. But then um, I had an opportunity to, to look for new opportunities um, the last four or five years. And for whatever reason, this came back into my mind <laughs> and I started to look at it. And I think, as you know, you know, my career path took me from corporate America to to that venture back startup and then and then working with other other venture back startups and ultimately even running my own venture fund. Wow. And so, you know, my world's been very much in the innovation space for a while. Yeah. So tell us what um, your company actually does for the women listening who are curious. What is Memo all about? Yeah. So we're, you know, Memo is is really looking to change the experience of purchasing fine jewelry. Um, we we curate collections from fine jewelry designers from all over the world. And then we offer a service where women can actually order a piece and have it shipped to them before they actually decide to purchase it. So really, it's it's taking that jewelry store and it's bringing it home. <laughs> um, you know, it's amazing how many women, um, and I'm learning that men as well, go into a traditional jewelry store, or even some of the large um, department stores that have fine jewelry collections, and they find it very intimidating. Um, you know, it's 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 uncomfortable and it certainly isn't fun, right? And do they Today, feel pressure to buy? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but what's the discomfort? Think about the environment, right? You're you're in a store. Everything's behind cases, mm. right? There's security cameras on yeah. you. Um, it's just not relaxing and That's fun. True. And, you know, um, a lot of times in the way that jewelry has evolved, I mean, women are very much buying jewelry for themselves. It's less about, you know, just diamonds and gemstones and more about, um, the artistic nature of a piece. Mm. Um, it's how it's crafted. It's who's crafted that piece. It's the story behind the piece. Um, and I and I know that you know women who are trying to decide on buying something that you know they they may ultimately hand down right to somebody else in their mm. family or it's just something that they want to have as a part of them. Um, you know they need to spend time. They need to know if that piece is going to be that right piece for them. And so that's what our service offers. Sure. It's definitely a commitment. And what about the name Memo? What does Memo mean? So Memo is actually an industry term that means um, on loan or on spec. Hmm. Um, And so in the jewelry industry, it's common practice if um, a designer um, sells some pieces to, say, a jewelry store, Oftentimes, they'll uh, also give some pieces on memo, and that means that the store can show those pieces. They haven't purchased them yet, but they can show them, and if they sell, then they transact transact with the designer. Um, And it's also a common practice that retail stores will allow their special clients to take a piece home Mm. on memo. memo. And so really, we're taking that practice that exists today, but putting it online and, and bringing it to a very comfortable environment. Yeah, your house. I mean, what's better than that? (laughs) But there must be so much involved in all of this. So when you had the concept, you said for four or five years, it was sort of there and then it started whispering to you. And I think what 
many of the women who come on the show talk about is that whisper that, you know, that's not leaving them and they feel the need to act on it. Um, How did you even, you know, like, what was the original concept? Um, so the original concept, uh, was to, it was, it was home try on, but it was really for an extended period of time Mm -hmm. that somebody could actually live with a piece. Um, and you know, that, that whisper started to become a yell to me because Mm -hmm. as I was out looking at other new opportunities, but at the same time, looking at this market, um, I just kept finding that, you know, the market had changed since. 20 years ago when I looked at it in terms of, you know, the rise of what's actually called the woman self-purchaser, if you will. So women who are buying jewelry for themselves, but then the proliferation of, you know, designer fine jewelry and the number of designers that there are that, that craft fine jewelry. Um, There's truly a world out there that so many women don't know about, but it's so intriguing to learn about. Um, and to discover new designer um, designers and designer techniques and pieces. Um, and so when I kept looking at the industry, um, I became convinced that, you know, this service didn't exist and it was definitely time that I needed to do it. Mm. So are you first to market? That was actually, I was wondering, are you, have you, are you innovating this new way of purchasing jewelry? Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. So uh, when we launched, there was not another player online um, that we know of that was offering the service. Mm-hmm. I think there were some international countries that had services, um, but but nothing, you know, nothing in terms of a, a large online platform mm. offering that in the United States. And was it to fill a need that you felt like you wished you had to? I, I always think sometimes we're solving for something personal. Yeah, you know, well, so when I was, um, actually running the, the venture fund that I mentioned. So I would have to travel quite a bit, um, for different boards and and meetings, et cetera. And I used to actually enjoy like taking an afternoon and, and going to different cities, um, and, and discovering the artists that were in those cities and trying on the pieces. And so, you know, that, that part of it, um, as well as, you know, just interacting with other executives who actually some of them had really neat pieces, both men and women who would actually talk about um, the story behind the piece or the designer behind the piece. And so, you know, having that passion already in me and then that personal experience, um, you know, I was trying to figure out, well, how do I continue to discover these designers? Because there's so many, right? And, And how do you actually discover them unless you're going to travel to all these cities? Um, you know, in some retail outlets do a nice job of that today, um, but there's really not an easy way to truly discover and, you know, um, a piece and really appreciate a piece of, of work or work or art, if you will. Yeah, and I love the association to art. It's almost like you're a museum curator, but of art, and, yeah. the, and it's all yeah. online for you to peruse, and then you can have that piece sent to your house. So how did you right. even know where to start, though? This is because you're innovating in a new space. It's not been done. Yep. There's nothing to study. There's nothing to research other than, you know, the other companies that are doing, you know, like a stitch fix or something where Clothing comes in, you decide, you send it back. This is a whole other model because the pieces are, I would imagine, what is there a range of prices that you, you know, that fall into what you curate? Yeah, so we, our prices um, range from about $1,000 up to 
um, close to $30,000 on the site. Our average price point is right around 2000 Yeah. So how would you even know where to begin? Because now you're, you've got really expensive pieces of jewelry that are going to people's mm-hmm. homes that I imagine needs to be insured. So how did you even start yeah. this? Where did you, where did you begin? Yeah. Well, certainly there's the business model side, right? Which is, um, you know, there's, there's other companies, like you mentioned, you know, comparable companies, right. That you could look at business models and how they do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually talked to some of the executives at trunk club early mm-hmm. on, which mm-hmm. was offering a home try on service for, um, you know, at the time for men's clothing, I know they do women's now, but, um, you know, so, so definitely there was the business model side of things, but probably the trickier part was just the learning curve that I had mm. in the jewelry sector alone, mm. right? Um, because it it truly is sort of an industry in of itself. In of itself, it's it's um, you know everyone in the industry sort of knows who the designers are, right? But outside of that industry, so many people don't. We know mm-hmm. the big names today, sure. but we don't really know like the whole you know group of designers that that kind of create and make this industry. So learning that was the the hardest right? Mm-hmm. And sort of breaking into that. But, um, you know, I was really fortunate. I, I met a designer locally that, that designs, um, designs for private clients, mm. uh, nationally. Um, and, you know, I reached out to her and I think with a little bit of, um, caution or hesitation, she agreed to have coffee with me. Mm. And I would say that we met um, I don't know, six to 12 times over the course of the year. Wow. And she was so kind, always giving me about an hour, but, you know, just, just really sharing the ins and outs of how it works, frankly, right? Mm. What is the, the retail relationship with these designers? Um, you know, and even thinking about how to curate a collection. And from there, you know, I just, I, I really just expanded my network within the industry and then ultimately brought people onto my team that had expertise in different areas. Um, and now I'd say, you know, three years into this, um, you know, you quickly sort of get up to speed in terms of the industry and how to present pieces and how to curate um, those pieces for an online environment. Right. And, you know, those early days, though, did you reach out directly to the designers or Again, they had to, you were a new concept. So did they buy into it right away? Like, how did that go? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was interesting because the biggest reaction that I had from from designers, almost every designer early on, um, was the question of, well, now, wait a minute. What if somebody uh, orders it, you ship it to them at home, and they actually put the piece on or, or even wear it? Um, and then they sort of sit back and, and, and pause for a minute and they said, well, actually that probably could happen today. <laughs> so in other words, if you're in a, a jewelry store, mm-hmm. you're obviously going to try the piece on, mm-hmm. right? Um, or if you're using other websites today and you order pieces and there's return policies, um, you're, you know, you're turning it on and, uh, trying it on. Um, and, and honestly, what we found is women who use the service today for us, um, they either buy it the day the piece arrives or they, they buy it right at the end of the three day home try on period. And, you know, I, I actually ordered pieces myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's always good to try your own service. 
uh, and, and so did the members of my team. But it was a really interesting experience for me because I ordered two pairs of earrings. I, I knew I wanted to buy one. I wasn't quite sure between the two. And I actually used those three days um, each day to sort of uh, pair up uh, the jewelry with what I was wearing that day, mm-hmm. um, trying to find the piece that I you know, knew that I wanted. Um, and I even had dinner with my sister at her house and I actually brought them and I said, okay, what do you think? Right. Mm. So I really used my three days, um, and then was very happy with my decision, but other women, and I'd say the vast majority really use the service to confirm in their mind that this is the piece that they really, really want. And Mm. oftentimes that can come instantaneously the minute they, they see it and try it on. Wow. It's so interesting. I love this. When you started then, did you mm-hmm. think, I'm going to bootstrap this? Or did you know, based on your experience, mm. that you would want to seek out financing? Like, did you have the five, 10-year vision when you went in knowing what you were going to need? Or how did you approach that? Yeah. You know, I, I definitely went in um, planning to get ex- external financing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is it is where I came from. <laughs> so it is my mindset, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know there's always a speed to market aspect that, you know, having the right financing partner can, can help you achieve. Um, you know, I certainly put my own money in, um, to start with and, and frankly, um, have put in probably more than I intended to initially. Mm -hmm. Mm Um, but you know, the, the interesting thing with our model too, um, you know, in hindsight, when I launched the company, um, you know, I certainly felt like it was definitely the right time in the market to launch it. Um, and as I look back at the time that we were really just um, launching and then doing our pilots and that sort of thing, I mean, we were we were actually slightly early. Um, I mean, this market is actually here right now. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, you you hear about, you know, luxury purchases online um, and fine jewelry. And, you know, fine jewelry is actually has been one of the smallest categories online, but right now it's the fastest growing. Um, So today is our opportunity. And and I say that because, you know, I've certainly seen a lot of businesses and and some that I've actually worked with that came to market with really great concepts, um, but they were just too early. Mm. Um, And, you know, I actually think we were certainly on the early end. And so, Therefore, I've had to add more funding myself to kind of get to where we are now. And mm. I'd love to share with you where we're going. But um, but yeah, so um, definitely the plan. But it's, it's definitely been a combination of, of the both. I do want to hear about the future vision, too. Take us still again into the early days because people are going to listen and go, oh, my goodness, I have had this idea and I know it could go big. Mm. But what were the early things that you did? Like, how did you know who to hire and surround yourself with. You mentioned you brought people on uh, on your board. I mean, how did that all kind of come into play? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it for me, so much happened through networking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I know you and I had uh, at our meeting way back when <laughs> a common friend who was amazing at at connecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably the reason I was in the room talking with you that day, right? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> there were ways that we could be helpful to each other. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, from the, from the first designer I met that was so helpful to me, 
um, you know, to other colleagues like um, my creative director that I brought on board, um, her college friend um, and her sister actually live in New York City and are executives for some major luxury brands. Mm -hmm. And um, the one um, one sister left and, and went out on her own, and she actually helped us with many of our initial designer mm -hmm. designers that we brought to the website. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and even when I in my early career, I had been working uh, or in, in the VC uh, world, had been working with a lot of entrepreneurs. I actually reached back out to them. And there were several female entrepreneurs that um, I had, you know, assisted with their businesses. And I actually called them and shared with them the concept, now looking for their feedback, right? Mm. So it's always ironic. But, um, you know, there were a number of excellent referrals that I received from other entrepreneurs. Um, which was so amazing for me. And, you know, one good referral leads to many other good referrals. Mm. And frankly, that's really how I ultimately built my team because I really needed expertise in the sector. Mm. Um, and my board was really built through, you know, people that I know and trust um, and then their referrals as well. Um, we have, you know, we worked currently with one of the early investors from Alex and Annie. And that was, um, but that was a referral from somebody that, you know, I knew personally who um, happened to work with this individual many, many years ago and made a phone call for me. Right. Wow. Um, and those things don't happen overnight, of course. No, but, no. But you know, the it's power a, of it's network. A building. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I love, I love that because I think people like you said, just getting out and starting to talk to people and say, who do you know? Or here's the concept. How, you know, what can we mm -hmm. do? Um, what were some of the initial challenges you faced? So you were on the other side of the equation, right? And now you're the entrepreneur. So yeah. could you take us into, you yeah. know, so some of the challenges you faced and how you figured out how to overcome them? So, you know, a lot of it, I think, was that balance of, um, you know, growing the business and raising capital. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the downsides of bootstrapping is that, you know, you really have to try to motivate a team when you, when there isn't a lot of capital in the business yeah. to be had. Right. So people really have to believe in the vision. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and with any entrepreneurial venture, you know, there's so many like ups and downs, like on a daily basis um, and just staying, you know, strong and steadfast, right. Mm -hmm. To the vision of the company not to say that you don't listen to the market and, and change when, when you need to change. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think for us and, and, you know, look, like I mentioned, the market, I think, is now really sort of coming, um, you know, to be to crystallize and come to a head right now to mm -hmm. be in a very important time in this market. Um, but, you know, again, sticking to our strategy and building up till now um, hasn't been easy, right? I mean, yeah. I would have probably loved to have the VC funding a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. um, that said, we, you know, we found ways to continue to move the business forward and to innovate and to learn. Um, and really, what we've learned in the last um, year to two years mm. um, is now really setting the platform for the future. Um, but you know, staying strong through that because it's really easy to give up mm -hmm. and you certainly have those really bad days, yes. <laughs> but you have to be passionate enough to wake up every morning and jump right back in. 
Yeah. And I'm hearing your passion so much. And it's really, it's the possibility is so exciting, especially like you said, now the market is caught up to your vision. And so I think uh-huh. there, you said you can come in too early, but I think that there is an advantage that you, you started three years ago, not now. So you're ahead of the curve. Yeah. Where are you now in terms of number of employees? And uh-huh. then I'd love to, let's, I'd love to hear where you're taking Memo. Sure. Um, so our, our team is still small. Um, we have, uh, there's a half, a uh, handful of people that work yeah. with me on a daily basis. Yep. Many of them are, you know, still contract um, mm-hmm. basis. Yep. Um, you know, interesting, uh, interestingly, and I know this probably isn't super common, but um, my three person board I have in place, we have a weekly call. Wow. <laughs> Um, so I have some pretty senior people that I report to on a weekly basis, um, which is wonderful. Um, because, you know, as an entrepreneur and, you know, I do have people that I'm working with on the business, Mm -hmm. but having a group of individuals that frankly hold, hold us all accountable and Mm -hmm. hold us to task. But not only that, you know, as you know, you need, you need something as, as the founder and CEO to, to drive you. And certainly the market Mm -hmm. drives you. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, again, all of those things, having, having a group that is a sounding board for me on business issues that arise, um, on a weekly basis before I'm able to really fully extend my senior team, um, has been really, really powerful for me. Yeah. And you know, it can be really isolating. I mean, you talked about having a small team just, you know, you're still scaling Mm -hmm. and growing it. And so you have to be conscious of the budget and where you put your resources and having that weekly call must be so amazing and so helpful and keep your momentum going as you're building and then just being able to talk out loud about the challenges or some of the questions so that you can get the clarity of vision to keep going and growing it. So I think that's great. And I want to mention if it's okay, we're around, we're both Gen X. Should we leave it there? Um, I don't have to mention your age, but we're in second acts. Let's leave it there, but we're in our second acts. And I think that you're serving as what's possible. And I think it's empowering for other women to know that, you know, you can do your corporate thing or whatever other, mm-hmm. you know, even being at home and just relaunch and, and go big. So what is the vision mm-hmm. of for Memo? Where are you taking this company? You can go bigger. You could go bigger, right, Michelle? Yes. So yeah. <laughs> is that the vision? Go as big as possible. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so for for Memo, um, you know, consistent with really realizing our vision of, of changing the experience of how women discover and purchase fine jewelry, um, we're really taking what we've learned. Um, to your point, we're taking what we've learned and what we've built, the platform that we've built, mm-hmm. um, and we're actually finding a way now to offer that to other retailers. So um, wow. there's a huge expertise that's that's been built around um, basically high value goods, right? Fine jewelry, um, and and that comes down to customer authentication, um, security, insurance, um, that client relationship. Um, so there's a lot of um, expertise and know-how, and also obviously the platform itself um, that we're finding ways now to let others utilize it because you know, from a go big, go bigger standpoint, um, you know, we believe that, you know, women should have this opportunity, not just be our site. And of course, we'd love women to visit our site, 
Um, but have the opportunity to experience jewelry this way um, in multiple other locations to be able to have a home try-on home try-on service or home preview, if you will. In other sectors and and high-end goods? I'm just trying to understand. So are you licensing out the intellectual property of how you do it? I just to clarify, you know, how what you mean by that. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're so we've actually created an API. Um, can you define what that is? What, what is an API? Yeah, so it's, it's basically, uh, rather than going into the acronym, it's basically an interface, right? An application interface okay. that would allow um, another retailer site to offer home try-on. Um, and if somebody picked home try-on on their website, it connects to our back-end platform wow. um, that authenticates the customer enables the home try-on transaction, which is no charge, of course, um, and then does the entire back-end process as it relates to that. It's sort of like the um, uh, shop runner of many years ago. I I think shop runner is still there on on many retail sites, right? But, um, you know, it was a separate button, but but really fulfilled by a different organization Um, or some of the payment processing things that are offered today. Yeah, this is bigger. <laughs> this is a lot bigger. Yeah. Wow, so I had no we idea. Don't stop there either, because we still have our platform, and so we're even our next evolution of our platform, um, which will be coming soon as well, is actually going to have other interesting new services for the client customer. Again, all in the vein of um, helping to enable the discovery and ultimately the purchase. Um, of fine jewelry or other or other high value goods, but the next gen of our website is actually looking at other new models that are consistent with that. So we keep going. And are you sleeping? Like no, <laughs> no. When you don't, I mean, this is this is huge. I mean, and you're doing this with a lean team that you're growing. I know you're growing it all, but this is amazing. So mm-hmm. yeah, what does your day look like, Deb? Tell me what a day, do you have kids? Do you mind me asking? I do, I do. I have two beautiful okay, young so, kids. <laughs> and they're younger. Okay, so tell me what how, how you're doing this. Well, um, so that's the beauty, right, of running your own business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I uh, tell people that I, I do work all the time, but I'm, I'm living at the same time. So, um, you know, my day has shifted. I used to be a night owl, um, and, and kids mm-hmm. who wake up at six thirty have forced me to be more on the early side of the day. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I set my alarm every day, uh, you know, somewhere yeah. between four thirty and, and five. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I do that so that I can, um, jumpstart my day. And frankly, before everyone wakes up in the household, um, you know, important to me is to have sort of that quiet time that, uh, frankly, every morning I review our analytics from the day before. Um, it keeps me very, very close to not only activity on the site, um, but how customers are interacting with the product, um, any potential hiccups. Um, but more importantly, just really watching the flow of, of customers on the site and um, you know, we've, we've actually developed some or, or are developing some, some new products and algorithms based on what we observe daily based on customers on the website. Um, so I do that. That's my morning ritual. I know it sounds exciting, um, but, you know. No. And do you do anything for your self-care in that time? In the morning? Or is it all about the business? Um, yeah. I don't in the morning because I'm still not a morning person in that regard. 
Yeah, you know, you either you're not are gonna jump you're on not. a treadmill. You're tired. I'm a, I'm yeah, a late no, I day. Hear you. I hear you. Get it in late day, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. But are you doing things for your self care? This is actually just a topic that keeps coming. Yeah. Out. Do you do stuff for? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm. I'm a big advocate of um, you know, working out and staying healthy and, and frankly, staying Mm -hmm. strong. Um, when I Mm -hmm. launched this business, um, you know, it was interesting timing, but I, you know, you, you, I think you ebb and flow sometimes with like workouts Mm -hmm. and all of that. Right. I know I do in terms of what's working Mm -hmm. and then you have to change it up. But, you know, I, at the very early days, I worked out with a, a trainer, uh, once a week at noon. And, uh, Mm -hmm. um, I think we were doing TRX at the time. Um, this is a couple of years ago, but I was probably the strongest and most fit I've ever been in my mm-hmm. entire life. <laughs> and I have to, yeah, you know, it was, it was one hour. Right. But, um, you know, and I did little other things during the, during the week too, which, you know, is just the way I am. And I enjoy that. I enjoy staying very fit, but, um, that trainer and that workout, um, you know, it gives you like, it gave me like really core strength. And it's interesting because in those really tough early days, um, you know, feeling strong made me strong. Um, and there's so much mm-hmm. you have to sort of weather, right? And my husband sometimes would get mad at me because things didn't bother me. And it's not that they didn't bother me, but, mm-hmm. you know, you sort of get used to taking those blows and, you know, internalizing mm-hmm. and reflecting and then acting in different ways you need to. But, um, you know, being physically strong, I think, helps you be mentally strong. And so for me, those two go together, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's so nice for other women to hear that. I mean, with everything you've got going on, you're still including yourself because I think women don't always include themselves in it. And I really like thinking about being strong because that's really what we're trying to accomplish. It does feel good, you know, to be fit and all that. But when you feel strong, you can weather more to use your words. So that's awesome. And you started saying, so, because I was going to ask you, do you have a morning or evening routine Ah. that fosters your success? So the morning is the, is your, is it beyond the analytics? Do you do other things in that hour, an hour and a half before the kids get up? You know, um, other than having my time, which is also very important of just quiet and, and maybe a a cup of coffee. Um, you know, the analytics is just the key part that, you know, daily is, is on my list. Um, and then it's, it's really just sort of catch up or other things for the day. Um, Mm -hmm. so, but that's, that's really the morning routine for me. Yeah, no, that's great. And um, Deb, how do you define success? So, you know, I, and maybe this is a, every year you get older, you think about it differently, perhaps. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would just say, I define success as being happy, right? Because oh, I love that. success mm-hmm. can be in work. Uh, and it's also obviously in life. Um but if you're really happy with what you're doing, you've made it right. In my view, because, yeah. Yeah. you know, you could, you could build a company, you could sell a company and do great with that. Um, but if you're miserable, that's, that's not really in my view, being having a successful life. Um, yeah, but you know, completely agree. and I'm happy. I'm telling me I'm, I'm, I'm happy when we have, high, you know, a high sales month and I'm, I'm happy when we delight a customer. Right. Um, and those things are attributes of a successful business too. Right. But, 
but still, I think just in general, like you have to enjoy what you're doing and, and be happy. Enjoying the ride. Absolutely. <laughs> while the you, journey, while you, the journey. Yeah, I love that. That's right, the journey. Um, can you leave the women listening with your three best tips for living a good life? Um, let me think. So um, I would say that, first off, I would say in my career, the, the things, the best things that have come have come from doing something that initially I was afraid of. Um, I know everyone hears that a lot, um, but it's interesting how often that comes up and it can come up on a daily basis, right? Um, you do the hard things and you get it off your plate and it works or it doesn't, but when it works, it's amazing. So doing those things that, you know, initially you're afraid of, um, or you might be afraid of now. Um, the other I would say is, is to, well, we talked about, you know, staying physically, emotionally strong, this, you know, despite the bumps, you know, weathering that, that storm and not, and not giving up. Um, unless I'd say just to breathe, <laughs> oh, relax, take it all in. Right. Yes. Yeah. We are definitely all walking around holding our breath. So. <laughs> <laughs> Life's way too stressful. Yeah. Yes. Um, Deb, I've loved this conversation so much. Um, where can people learn more about you and Memo? Where can I direct you? Sure. Um, you can find us at experiencememo.com. And that's our, our website. Um, our future offering will be showcased there as well. So please check in. Um, and you can oh. sign up for our email list there. Um, to keep track of new designers and new service offerings and all of that. We're also on Instagram and Facebook uh, at Memo Jewelry. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.